Hello. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today's episode 125 and we're interviewing Zach P. How are you doing today, Zach? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. Hi, looking forward to this interview. So let's dive in and get started. Tell me about your childhood. Uh, my childhood was pretty wreck, you know, traumatic and stuff. I lost my mom at the age of two in a car crash and I um, was almost killed the same day. But, you know, I survived at a 3% chance of survival and stuff like that. But like, I was raised by my dad all through my childhood, basically when my mom passed away. So it was, it was pretty good. You know, I got to learn a lot of things that I never thought I would ever be able to learn. <laughs> what, what kind of things did you learn? You know, mechanics, landscaping, a lot about welding, carpentry, pretty much a lot of the trades that, you know, are out there that are good, come in good use and good hand. So, yeah, pretty much one of my favorite ones was just mechanics. Spent a lot of time working on cars when I was a kid, and it was a good way for me and my dad to bond. Yeah, no, I can imagine having the same hobby is definitely a way to bond with someone. Yeah. So what was it? What was school like when you were very young? School was great. Actually, <laughs> let me ask you one question before that. How did your mentality change when your mom died? Did your did anything go on? Like what did you feel? What happened? Um when my mom died, you know, it just it was a big life changer. You know, I had to learn how to walk, talk, and eat again at the age of two. And, you know, as time progressed, like when I was six years old, I remember asking my dad once when I was a kid, and like, hey, where's mom? Why isn't she coming home? And that's when I really was informed that she passed away. I didn't know, obviously, at that young of an age, something like that traumatically happened. But, you know, it became easier over the years after I was informed that to adjust to it. And, you know, I was accepting the fact like, you know, my dad having to play the role of a mom and dad at the same time, which was pretty hard on him, you know, having girlfriends here and there and stuff, but they would never stick around for some odd reason. They just, it was too much for them or something like that. I don't know the whole deal on that portion, but you know, Moving forward, you know, I'm just glad that I'm thankful my dad didn't give up on the through the struggle. You know, <clears throat> it was it was something. <laughs> I, yeah, how was life at school? Life at school was great. You know, I went to preschool through high school in Red Wing, Minnesota. I graduated in 2012. I never used drugs. I was drug free, never really did any partying, didn't really go to friends' houses, maybe a few overnighters here and there and whatnot. But, you know, I was just mainly bound to be at home and hanging out with my dad in the garage and his uh, friends' kids and stuff like that. You know, we went camping, fishing, boating, four-wheeling, dirt biking to some events to hotels and stuff like that throughout the years and whatnot. But. My dad gave me gave 
me and my sister, which I have a two-year younger sister than me and whatnot. But, you know, my dad gave us both the best childhood that a single father could ever give his children and did whatever it took just to make sure they were happy. You know, I give my dad a lot of props on his behalf on sticking all of this through all the way up until we were 18. Yeah, that, that's not easy. I can only imagine. Well, I, I don't know from experience, but I can only imagine how hard that must have been to raise kids by yourself. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how my dad did it, but I'll, I'll give him the upper hand. Like, he did one hell of a great job. I mean, I give my dad a lot of props. I mean, he's the best, my best friend, my best teammate that I've ever had, tag team partner. That's always been my corner, you know. You know, I, I'll always admire my dad for all the things that he's done, all the things that he's gone through and everything that he is. Yeah, I mean, that's once again, that's an amazing thing. So I I guess this is someone that you must have looked up to a lot. Yeah, I mean, me and my dad, you know, we're very close throughout the years. And then when my addiction got involved, you know, he distanced himself away from me. And of course I could understand why, you know, he's not about that whole addiction lifestyle. Like I was, I started using meth when I was 23. It got out of hand. You know, I've been in and out of jail. I just got done doing, you know, 108 day prison term, just 108 days out of a, 33 month bid, you know, and just because I sat um, 562 days in county throughout the time of being on probation, I'm off parole next month. You know, my within the time, my dad's given me a lot of advice, especially through addiction. And the number one thing that really stuck out to me was when I called him up and I back in our, on October 2nd of last year when I was in high intensity patient and you just told me there's nothing in this lifetime that I'd want anymore other than for you to get your life figured out and on track, because there's going to be one day that you're waiting for that may not come for me. And that's what really hit me. Like, you know, I really want to make the memories last. I really want to make new memories with my dad while I still have that time. I mean, Obviously, he's almost 58 years old and the time's going fast, but, you know, I'd rather make every moment that I have last, especially while I still have that time to actually make those memories. So So going back a little bit, how is life at school going all the way up through high school? Did you do good grades and stuff? School is good. You know, I got good grades. I was on the A on roll a few times in high school, maybe a few times in middle school. Um, skipped six weeks my senior year because we had that one big snowfall. I ended up throwing out my back and one day turned into a few days and, you know, just progressed on where it's like, I don't even want to go back to school. And then, you know, I went back, thankfully, you know, and I was told that you can miss two more days of school. And I ended up taking those two days off right away, which was really stupid of me. But, you know, I did anyways. And then 
went to school one day, left early, and next thing you know, my uh, uh, home base teacher, which was also my case manager or whatever in school, came up to me and asked me, well, told me, not asked me, that since you took off early yesterday, you will not be graduating early, I mean, graduating on time this year. So <clears throat> I was bummed out. I got on the phone with my uncle. Thankfully, they made a deal. If I don't miss one more day that school year, I'd be able to graduate on time. And yeah, I mean, even if I was sicker than a dog, I'd still have to show up to school. Unless I had permission to leave early, early I'd have to stick it out. And so I did. Now here I am. <laughs> so. so did you ever have any type of warning signs or anything that you could look back and say, like, you know, that might have led to addiction later on in life? Like, did the, the trauma of your mom really affect you throughout your life? Or that that's something that you were able to control early on? I feel as if, you know, it, it kind of did. But I didn't really think about that that much. You know, one day I just woke up when I was 23 years old. And, you know, May 28th of 2016 was a date that I went to use dope the first time. And I couldn't get really get over the fact, like, you know, my mom's gone. It's been so long, you know, it just built up. The drugs numb the pain where it just, you know, I had, I had to keep on having it. And I didn't want to deal with my inner emotions doing something different that I used to always like to do, and that was ride dirt bike. <clears throat> just and how young young were you? How young were you when you started using? I was 23 when I started smoking meth. Uh, that's right. You mentioned that before. Yeah. And I'm 29 now. I actually have... 15 and a half months, almost 16 months on July 12th. So That's amazing. Surprising. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah, you know, it's just, <clears throat> I got sick and tired of being sick and tired and not just that, beating myself up, being away from my family, friends that cared about me, the bridges that I've burnt over the years, the trust that I've lost, the respect I didn't have for anybody, let alone myself at the time. Like, you know, I wanted all that back. And the only way I was going to get that is if I were to do something that I didn't do before. You know, I've been to treatment numerous of times, but this time around, it's like, you know, like I said two years ago, you know, I, I want to see my life change by the time my golden birthday comes around when I'm 29 and here I am actually living what I went once said two years ago you know so I want to see it progress and keep going I want to do much more different things to actually see the sobriety keep going on and on and on you know throughout the years no matter the struggle no matter the urges the triggers that are there I know my warning signs you know thankfully I got a sponsor I'm working the 12 steps so it makes it easier on why I'm doing this for me Let's real quick go back to when you're 23. What caused you to take meth or use meth, I should say, for the first time? And who did you do it with? Were you by yourself or did you do it with somebody? Um, when I was 23, my uh, cousin, 
uh, he ended up leaving town and he used to be always do dope and I'd always hang around him. But he would never, I'd never smoke it in front of him. I was always a weed smoker at the time. Like I just stuck with pot. And then when he left town, probably a few weeks before I started, you know, and I knew somebody that lived in the same apartment as I did that knew somebody that was sold. And I just went down to his room and like, hey man, I want to try dope. He goes, oh, well, I don't have any, but I know where some people or a person lives that does or to be able to smoke with you. So we went to his house. I watched him smoke out of a light bulb with a pen, you know, obviously. I mean, a light bulb, have, like, a, like an actual light bulb. Yeah. Like, you know, he took like Epsom salt and cleaned it out. So it wouldn't have all that light residue or whatever the heck is on the inside of light bulbs and, you know, just sit there and twist it and, I was getting interested and he's like, you want to try? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? And next thing you know, I'm sitting there cleaning this whole house, the living room, his kitchen. I mean, I was asking to mow his lawn for him. Like it was just, it was powerful. And ever since then I was just hooked and I hated it. I liked it at the time, but I hated it now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Do you look back and think that you were filling a void with drugs? This, there's this guy I've mentioned before, Gabor Mate. I've mentioned him probably on like three or four different podcasts. But he believes all addiction basically comes from trauma. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people, you know, use drugs and whatnot. And, you know, trauma is actually one of the biggest things why people go out and find something that they actually enjoy to do at the time of some big events that are unforgettable. So how was life once you started using, did you have a job? What were you doing with your life at that time? Um, I didn't have a job at the moment. Uh, so like later that year, but I'd still was smoking dope. But then again, like, you know, I was just going around with people that had it and, you know, getting pretty much a free smoke, smoking session and whatnot. And, you know, that's pretty much how I supplied my habit is just being around the people that had it until I actually had my own money to be able to afford it. And, you know, a lot of these people that I was hanging out with knew my cousin that left town that would always hang out with him and smoked it when I was hanging around him. And, you know, they just, they acknowledged the fact that I was starting to use meth and they simply just didn't care about what was going to happen or anything like that. So, yeah. So the first time you said you enjoy it, you were running around, going, trying to do chores, you said, right? Yeah. Like, it was crazy like I cleaned this whole dude's kitchen house I was living room upstairs you know just basically doing anything just to because you have so much energy you don't know what to do you know and that's exactly what I did I'm pretty sure I was probably on the verge of wanting to reshingle his roof because it needed to be done and he's just like dude you need to go take a nap how can you take a nap with all this energy right now, man? This is impossible. <laughs> what is the come down like? The come down off of meth. 
it's crucial, um, very crucial. Like your body just shuts down. You want to sleep. You're out. For me, depending on how much I did and how long I was up, you know, I'm usually out maybe two, three days at least. Then I'm back up doing it. Was always back up doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So how did it progress? How did it progress? Like, well, like they say in the big book, you know, one's never enough and a thousand's never too many, you know, it's just, I don't know, like, I say probably about 2020 was like literally the worst year of my addiction ever, like. I probably at least got two, fell asleep maybe eight times that whole year, eight, maybe five times. Like when I'm on meth, I don't eat. And obviously you get really skinny and the dopamine, the meth eats up to your fat. And, you know, that's just basically what it's reviving on. And, you know, I was just smoking just to see tomorrow. You know, I wasn't smoking just because I wanted, wanted to just for the hell of it. I just did it because, you know, I'm just hanging around people that do it themselves. So it's basically around peers. Yeah. You know, and did you feel like you had to do it around them? I don't feel like I had to do it around them. You know, it was just basically offered. I could have said no, but, you know, I just said, screw it. Why not? You know, you're going to want it later if you don't do it now. So why not? You know, when when your addict mind is right there, you're thinking, like, why not? Screw it. Who cares? You know, it's free dope, you know. So, I mean, it's like people who like to drink, you know, if, if it's on the house, people are going to get that one extra beer or whatever they, that they're interested in drinking, you know? I was an alcoholic. <clears throat> I completely understand that. Yeah. So. So as you were getting older, what was life like? Like as the drug abuse got worse, what was your life like? I mean, as far as social life, employment, stuff like that. Um, not gonna lie, I've been homeless, you know, it sucked. I've been, I cried, you know, couch, hopped a few, several times, you know, sleeping up. Real quick, going back, how did you feel when you were homeless? How did I feel, you know, well, at the time, you know, you really don't care, you know, it's like, well, whatever it is, what it is. You know, I'll deal with whatever I have coming my way when it's time to deal with it. You know, like you ain't thinking about where you're going to lay your head at, head at night. You're thinking about your next eye. Where am I going to get my next fix? Once I got that, then I'll focus on what I need to do next. You know, like sometimes I, even with being homeless, like I'd crash in a person's garage for a few nights or just well, pretty much stay up and mess around on my phone, but like at least I had a roof over my head or I'd be sleeping in a hallway next to a library that in, a, in Red Wing where I'm originally from, 
just so I have somewhere to go where it's warm. So if it's winter time, a few times it was in a tent, one time, once or twice it was in a cave up on Memorial Bluff when I had nowhere to go. Um, once in a, underneath a bridge when it was pouring rain because I, like I said, I had nowhere to go. You know, <clears throat> friends were very supportive because obviously the friends that I had were the ones that were using. You know, not saying that they weren't there. You know, thankfully, you know, I got a good friend that I used to use with that he, he's also sober too. And, you know, I respect him, you know, with all my heart, literally, like we've known each other for nine years and he's always been there through the thick thing. <clears throat> no matter the situation. So were you scared when you were homeless? Like, is that scary? I mean, to me, I feel like that would be like the first thing is fear. Like, just, I don't know. No, you know, like, I wasn't scared. I actually grew up always wanting to be in the woods. So, you know, I always lo love nature. You know, I, I, I've gotten a lot of experience because of it and from it, you know, what to do, what I can do, where to go, you know, shit like that. Like, um, like I said to my grandparents and my sister when I was a kid, like if I ever came homeless, I would hit the woods. And they're like always asking me why. I'm like, because then I could use nature and build my next, you know, little fort or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, try surviving off that for a while. And actually, so actually worked, you know, I mean. I did? Yeah, like, I mean, I've. What, what like, did you build? Kind of like a teepee, you know, like taking the brush from broken trees and leaning them up on, you know, trees and then taking like brush that are, you know, still had leaves and whatnot and kind of like putting it over the cracks and stuff. So if it does rain, it won't, nothing would get in. So it was an experience. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it again. Yeah, and that sounds like it. I wouldn't want to either. But, um, yeah, so at what point did you say to yourself, you know, like, I might be having an issue with drugs now? Or it was crystal meth, just that? Yeah, you know, it wasn't just drugs. It was, like, when I was hanging out with my cousin in 2020, he's my half-cousin. Um, he, he likes to you know, steal and, you know, all that stuff. And I never got, personally, I never got into that kind of lifestyle. You know, I was just hanging out with him because I cared about him. He's family, you know, and he was feeling suicidal. And, you know, then as the years, as time progressed on, then 2020, he's like, hey, man, let's go rob this. Let's go do that. You want to help me do this? And I told him straight up, like, if you're trying to fuck up your life more than life's already messed up already for us, let alone yourself, you go right ahead. I'm good. I already messed up my life enough by just using drugs. And, you know, when he robbed me back when I left uh, high-intensity inpatient treatment in 2020, that's when I knew right there and then, like, you know, I need to make a change. I mean, 2020 is almost over, so why don't we start 21 on a better you know, in a better spotlight, 
in March 12th of 21 at Sober. I spent about 60 days of that, 21 in jail, got out, got high for about a week. And that's when I was like, yeah, I need to go to treatment. And ever, so I've been into six treatments within the last year. I mean, obviously I'm at a Navan Wellness Center here in St. Paul, which is a mental health treatment. And that's the one thing that I would never focus on in any of the other treatments I was at because that wasn't even one of the topics was mental health. And that's where I was leaving a big blank out on why I was always going back and relapsing because I wasn't focusing on my mental health. That is definitely a huge part of it. Yeah. What types of things do you do to help your mental health? Um, I started writing poetry about four years ago. I actually got some of my stuff published last March. Uh, earlier last March up in Moral, Minnesota. That's and, great. You know, that's Congratulations. Just, Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, writing poetry, listening to music, hanging out with sober people, having my sponsor to talk to, work the steps, go to meetings, you know, all that really helps out with my mental health and hanging out with my best friend, my family, um, which is my dad, you know, he's my all-time best friend. Can't thank him enough, especially today. I mean, we've just regained our relationship back because I'm actually doing something with my life instead of doing something I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. So, not that going fishing too, so can we go, you know, catching some fish? <laughs> Hey, say that one more time. I mean, obviously, we can't forget about going fishing, too. We got to catch some fish. I mean, that's obviously one good way to help out with sobriety is get out and enjoy the wilderness once in a while. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. I got a buddy. He actually writes articles for us. And yeah. he um he says nature is a big part of his life. That's good. So... What kind of things did you do and do you continue to do stay sober? Do you have any tricks or tips? My tr trick and tips, you know, life didn't come with the remote, so get up and change it yourself. You know, like, if you really want to make a difference in your life, the only person that's going to get in anybody's way is yourself. You know, only you create the circus and how far you want that circus to get out of hand. You know, I'm sick of having that circus get out of hand. So it's time to tame the animals and be able to run the show the way it should have been ran a long time ago. So one of my last things, um, do you have any advice for people watching and listening? My advice? Yeah, I'm good at advice, you know. 
I have a lot. Give us a lot. Give, I want to hear a lot. <clears throat> Instead of always asking why, why not I'd ask how for a change? Because that how is going to get you a lot further than that why ever did. You may, you may hear a million, you may hear a thousand no's until you finally actually get to hear that yes that you've been looking for. But no matter how many no's you get, don't let it stop you from making better perfection in your life. So did you have anything else you want to add in? No, I don't. That's actually it. You know, I was looking forward to this interview. Uh, I actually appreciate it. You know, I'm looking forward to being able to watch it, you know, and show my friends, family, you know, people that are in the recovery themselves. And, you know, hopefully later down the road, be a little bit more organized and have another interview and, you know, not have to, you know, just come up with all this stuff right off the head, you know, bat, but, you know, I mean, it's a great experience, you know, I mean, I advise everybody that's out there that's suffering to, you know, step up to the plate and swing harder than you did through your addiction to make it somewhere that you want to be in life. Great. So that's it. It's uh, everything you got for us. Yes. All right. Cool. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. No, it was a pleasure. All right. For everybody watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also, subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can check us out on Twitter, Reddit. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Also, you can check us out at our website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. There you'll find plenty of resources as well as some of the literature that we have available for free. So that's all I got for today. And until next time.